I'm Jess. And I'm Jen. We're just two run-of-the-mill casting directors looking to have a little fun while tearing down the curtain on casting, the process, and how the sausage gets made. So many misconceptions have come from outside sources, so we're here to clear the air and make sure everyone gets a full picture of all that goes into casting your favorite TV shows and films. All the while, we'll be drinking some amazing cocktails and spilling the tea on some of the most outrageous stories we've come across in our careers. Maybe we'll even bring on a few exciting guests along the way. Cheers! Cheers. Welcome back to season two of Tipsy Casting. Yeah, I said it. We're back and ready to bring you even more great things this year. Happy New Year to all of our amazing listeners. Happy New Year. I'll speak for both of us. We missed you all. We missed each other. And we are so excited to dive into season two. So what are you drinking today, Jess? Well, because it's New Year, it's a new year. Here we go. I've gone for a little Asti Spamanti Martini Ross champagne in the only, like the closest glass I could find at my parents' house that looks like a champagne glass. What about you? I love it. I love it. I am similar. I'm doing a Plaza Centro Prosecco Mm. champagne type thing. Because you know you can't call it champagne unless it's from France. Oh, that's true. But I have it in this really quite fancy glass. Oh, it is nice. That's lovely. (laughs) I also just realized when you said that I actually am not drinking champagne. It's sparkling wine, I think. So I failed. Yep, sparkling wine on the bottle. See, one day we'll be fancy enough to drink real champagne. Yeah, hopefully this year together. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Amazing. Well, uh, I don't know if you all were following along on our Instagram, but we hosted our first ever holiday giveaway, 12 Days of Christmaca, you know, something fun to represent both of us. Yes. After, I mean, it was such a tough year in this industry. We wanted to take a moment during the holidays since we weren't recording and spotlight not only small businesses, but people who have personally helped us and been very supportive of our careers and the podcast and everything. So we wanted to spread some holiday love with our listeners. So before we jump into everything, let's give a holiday shout out to those wonderful people who donated their uh, gifts First off, we've got the Toffee Twins, which is delicious homemade toffee made by a fellow casting friend, Samantha Miller. Your friends in Manchester, Rolling Academy, also donated a credit for one of their classes. I also tapped in and uh, did some Casting Life Away merch, which was really fun. And one of our tipsy casting cocktail glasses, which you cannot buy anywhere yet, yet being the operative word. Exclusive. Yes, exclusive to the holiday giveaway. And uh, Cookie Bell, which are more delicious treats, gorgeous, yummy, custom homemade cookies by another casting friend, Miranda Martinez. And my lovely friends in uh, the UK Inspire Actor Studio, they did a whole month of classes they donated. And they have different locations all over Manchester, London, Birmingham, and Leeds. Mm, Yes. And then we went into my good buddy, uh, Erica, who owns the company Wine Wash Co. Uh, Lots of very fun towels and sponges and everything that is wine-related accessories. We had Castability, Giveaway a Six-Month Membership, which was lovely. A Studios in L.A., did an online and LA class credit, which was awesome. We both love them. Taught, I think you've taught for them as well. I've taught for them, I know. 
Oh yeah, yeah, of many years now. But uh, they, I think it's honestly outside of Inspire, it's the only place in the states that I teach these days. So yeah, they did it a fifty dollar gift card for their classes. So it was great. And then we had Grand Centenario Tequila that was donated by our lovely friend Cristo Fernandez from Ted Lasso. And I believe he signed the bottle, which was very exciting. So, you know, that probably doubled its value, if not tripled. <laughs> um, Anomalous Coffee, which is one of Jess's favorites out of New York City. And then our Pistorizazons of the whole thing, we had two massive giveaways, which I mean, the amount of engagement on these posts was insane. I think both posts topped any of the previous ones, but London Dance Photography and Headshots, they gave away a session for our London listeners to go in and have a um, a session to get new headshots. And then Stephanie Gerard in LA gave away a session worth, I think, like $550, which was insane. So we're very, very grateful to all of those wonderful people. And I want to say that even if you didn't win, please go and patronize them because they are all small businesses. They are all lovely humans that we are all personally friends with them in some way, some form. And so we want to make sure they get, even if you didn't win the prize, make sure that next time you're looking for headshots or next time you're looking for a cool gift, like go check out these small businesses because they're really awesome. Yeah. And th- yeah, thank you so much to all of the businesses who participated. Congratulations to all the winners. And if you're not following us on Instagram, take your phone out right now and follow us because you never know when we're going to be doing something special for our listeners. And to make it easy for you, our handle is at Tipsy Casting. And And all of the aforementioned businesses are linked in our bio on Instagram if you want to check them out. And yes, as Jen said, please do. They are amazing. And the ones that I wasn't familiar with before, I am super excited about now for sure. Okay, so business is handled. (laughs) How were your holidays, Jess? Oh, well... I was, uh, they were okay. I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm happy to be in the new year. It was a little bit, uh, you know, I feel like all of our, we all have family stuff in one way or another. I won't go into details, but my parents sort of shit on Thanksgiving. And then from every, from then it was sort of like, we were all Grinches for the rest of the holiday season. <laughs> but of course my parents left for the rest of the holidays to go on vacation for a month. And so that's, that's been my. And they flee. <laughs> yeah. They're like, bye-bye. But yeah, so that, that. That was our experience, and I'll speak for my sister and brother-in-law as well. It was a very, it was a very um, unique year for us. But now I'm stuck at their home, as you can tell, running their business and watching their dogs while they're gone on vacation, gallivanting around the world. So good for them. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, mom and dad. <laughs> yeah. Have a great time. Oh my God, it was so funny. So they're they're in Singapore uh, for the first four days of their trip. And my parents, their pop culture is, for the most part, you know, my mom has tapped in a bit, but my dad is totally out of it. And there was some sort of avatar experience that you can go to. And I don't think that they knew what they were going to because neither of them has seen Avatar. Honestly, I haven't even seen Avatar, so it's not that surprising. But like they started sending us photos because they're, I think, 16 hours ahead in the middle of the night as as like blue creatures. And it was the weird. Oh my God. <laughs> it's like hell, as long as somebody's having fun, that's all that matters. Yeah. Hey, at least you get a lot of dog love. And I'm hoping because last time they left you to 
keep the business, they brought you limoncello. So let's see what kind of booze they bring you back from Singapore. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm excited to see. We'll find out. But uh, what about you? What, what, what were your festivities like? Oh, so I did go home for Thanksgiving. I went back to the States, saw my family. I spent two weeks back in Denver, which was a lot. Same kind of thing. Lots of family stuff. Lots of... It always starts out so well. It always starts out so well. And then towards the end, just kind of takes a decline. But it was good to see them. I'm grateful. I got to see some friends that I grew up with. I went to a Broncos game with a guy that I... Like, we've known each other since we were five and have just been friends forever. And just so much fun reconnecting and enjoying kind of like the outdoor air and everything. So that was lovely. But then it was like hitting the ground running coming back to London because I moved out of my flat as soon as I got back. So it took a couple of days and then I had to move into a house sitting gig while I transitioned to a different place. And so yeah, it was just like literally within five days of landing and there was no time for jet lag. Did not even register. I was like, absolutely not. We're just going to pound through this. And the crazy thing is, is right when I landed, Content London was finishing. So a lot of my friends from the States were in town. So I had a lot of meetings. So it's like, I'm like packing during the day, going to meetings, going to shows, like all this stuff. And, but thankfully I made it out of my flat. So yeah. And then Christmas has been great. Like, I mean, it was a bit rough the lead up to Christmas, just cause you know, I feel like we both had a transitional period of like our lives of like, what are we doing? <laughs> and it's so hard to be my mom said it the best. She's like, who in this world gets six months off and then takes another two weeks off just because? And I was like, Hollywood does. Hollywood does not care. They will take time off no matter if you've worked or not at all this year. So so yeah, it was kind of one of those things where I was like, okay, I'm kind of like in this mode of do, 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 do. And then to come to a screeching halt uh, because the industry then shut down for the industry or for the holidays was a bit rough. So that was, that was, it sent me into a bit of a depression. I'm not gonna lie. Like I really struggled for about a week. And then I had an amazing devotion and some amazing friends who reached out to me who were just like, pull yourself out. Next year is going to be amazing. We just have to survive this tough part. So our good friend Leo was in town as well. And so he and I hit up every single Christmas market in London, had all the food, all the mulled wine, did the fairs, met all the nice people, like met so many friends. We saw a couple shows. It just was, it brought me back to where I was like, yeah. Christmas is awesome. <laughs> and the New Year's was amazing. It was a new year. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of New Year's, uh, do you do resolutions? No, I don't. Do you? No, I stopped doing it because it's like you... It's so hard to be realistic in those spaces and to, to like stay on top of it. But what I started doing a few years ago is like starting the year with a word of intention. So just like so you can focus your energy on one thing that will hopefully, you know, the whole like rising tides lift, you know, all ships or whatever that phrase is. So I think uh, for like, if you had to pick one word for yourself for the what you want to focus on or what you want for yourself for the year, what would that be? Well, you have to give me a minute. Tell me yours while I think about this. <laughs> <laughs> Mine would be stability. Oh, that's a good one. Especially after this year. That's a lot. That's a lot to ask for though. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but I believe. Listen, you got to put it out in the universe. I believe. I believe. Yeah. Um, and hey, stability is all relative, right? Every year yeah. it's the, what your version of stability changes based on your circumstance. So stability for this this year. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the bar is really low. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
You know, here's the thing. I don't know if I have a word, but I have a mantra, if that helps. Okay. Is that good? Does that work? Sure. Whatever works for you, girl. So in inspiration to somebody, something our mutual friend said, I said, I'm going to do a year of yes. And I'm just going to say yes to everything. So any work that comes my way, whether I'm going to want to do it, don't want to do it, whether it's too big, too small, finance, not finance, I'm going to do one year of yes of where anything that comes my way, I'm just going to do it see what happens. I'll work myself to death if I have to, but also in life as well. Like I'm going to, within reason. (laughs) You also can't go broke in the process, you know, that there's got to be boundaries for those things. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like in my personal life too, I think I just want to like, last year was such a learning experience for me, moving to a new country and starting a new life over kind of from scratch that this year, I just want to be open and be willing to take in the goodness that life has to offer. Because I think especially towards the end of the year, I got into a place of just being kind of resentful about everything that I really want to get back to my happiness place of where I see the good and just want to help people do good and that kind of thing. That's great. Good place to start. Yeah. That could be. I guess. I don't know. I don't know if there's a one word mantra. But <laughs> it doesn't, it's your, your own rules. For me, that sort of helps me focus in a little bit to not get overwhelmed. And I think that that's the thing that I suffer from the most in this industry and the last four years specifically that I feel you always feel like you're not doing enough but we don't know what enough looks like because somebody else has control Mm -hmm. of our success in in a way and it's the same thing for actors as well so I think it's like doing whatever that will make you feel fulfilled whether it's work-wise or personally because I got a lot of work to do on the personal aspect side of things Okay, so tell us, what's your number one personal thing that you want to focus on this year? Oh, I want to get healthy. Yeah. That's like the big one for me. I, I, fe- I feel not good for, for being a 36-year-old woman. I like, you know, you see yourself in a different way when you're, when you're growing up and your aspirations of who you're going to be and what your interactions are. And I feel like me not being healthy is definitely one of those things that is holding me back in a lot of ways in my life. And so I, that's for me as a priority this year to really buckle down and I'm going to have to figure out how to cut some of this alcohol out of out of our tipsy cast. <laughs> no. <laughs> Thanks for the support, Jen. Um <laughs> Like the worst support person, friend. Like, don't cut out alcohol. (laughs) Once a week, I can have one drink and I won't. I mean, it's not like I'm a lush anyways. Like we play around on the podcast and we make it sound that we're excessive drinkers. But I only drink socially, generally speaking, unless it's a really shit day. But, you know, I just have to do less of that as as a way to cut that aspect out yeah and just still keep the tipsy of the tipsy cap yeah you know it's funny as somebody asked me here one of my really good friends here was like do you want to do dry january with me i was like can i do semi dry january because we have a podcast that involves drinking so he, he agreed he was like you can do that he's like just do dry january where you only drink for your podcast i was like done i can do that <laughs> that's manageable totally so it's a semi dry january <laughs> I think it'll be effective. Yeah. As she takes a sip of champagne. Yes. I love it. Well, mine, I think, is going to be to um, have healthier relationships, like personal relationships. I think, you know, I just think it's, I, I, I don't know why it's so hard for me sometimes to have like really good, open and honest, healthy relationships. Sometimes I can fall into some pitfalls. So I want to be better at that, at being like a good friend and being better for, for the people in my life. Yeah, I think it's also just like making sure you have like the right people around you 
You know, I think that's a big thing that not to say that you don't, I'm just saying from my personal experience, when I started cutting a lot of ties in relationships, it was because I realized that, you know, we were, I was doing a dance with somebody that the dance didn't work for me. And when I changed it, they didn't, they didn't know it was going to change and they didn't like it. So I think, you know, so it's like finding those, those friendships that elevate you versus bring you down. Mm -hmm. And I think then it becomes, it becomes easier to have those open relationships and like in terms of communication and, and all of those things. So I think it's, it's like, that's something I feel like we're always growing and learning on how to communicate correctly with people yeah. and what works for us personally. I have to admit, part of the reason I say that is because in this like reflective period of ending 2023, I really sat here and I feel so blessed that I've met so, I mean, I've only lived in London for a year and I'm 38 years old. And it's like, so to restart that and create a whole new social circle and everything, the people that are really good friends are really, really amazing. Like, it's just, I look back and that was one of my reflective moments of like, these people who are there for me and really understand me and get me have been my backbone here. And that's where I'm like, I want to, I want to be more of that for them. You know what I mean? Like they've been so good to me this year and have been there for me through anything, everything. And especially being a difficult, more difficult year to not only start a new life, but to then go into a strike where there's no work and trying to survive that whole thing is like... I have, I've been blessed with so many amazing friends, yourself included. Mm. And I just want to be a good person. You know, like I, sometimes I feel like I sh- fall short as a friend back, you know? And so I always want to like be improving and make sure that I'm there in that way that I feel very fulfilled by my friends. I want to make sure I'm reciprocating that as a friend myself, you know? Yeah, I get that. Also, in my experience with you, you've been lovely. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I have no complaints, no comments or suggestions. We're doing great. (laughs) I have a comment card for you to fill out. actually a brilliant idea to give to your friends and family. I mean, maybe not family because that could open up a Pandora's box, but yeah, that's gonna maybe, be bad. <laughs> maybe that's a great thing for friends to do of like how to keep communication and like your friendship strong. What ticked you off during the year yeah. but in a constructive way. Or it could even be like, I mean, an anonymous situation. <laughs> like send this to all your friends. Just mail me a note card with no return address. So I don't know <laughs> You just find her in the corner trying to decipher handwriting of who's who. (laughs) (laughs) That would be pretty hilarious. Okay, so we are at the peak of entering into award season. Oh, yes. This is true. It's the beginning of the end of a lot of craziness. And you know, it's funny. I was having a conversation with somebody tonight that literally we're like, this is going to be the weirdest awards situation because we went through so much so many months this year where nobody could promote their films so now I feel like at the end of 2023 we are being inundated with so much marketing material and watch this watch that and everyone's everywhere that I don't know do you have a standout do you if there was one you had to choose um yes I mean it's, it's hard for me to to specifically say one but I will say the most memorable and impactful I think I saw all of us strangers did you see that one I have not seen that one yet. <sighs> oh my goodness I tell you I didn't honestly I didn't know what I was walking into I didn't watch a trailer because that's that's the Matt Bomber and Jonathan Bailey one right no no that's fellow travelers oh shoot that's a series though what's all of us strangers so all of us strangers again didn't know what I, I never watch 
I try not to watch trailers. And when I go to plays, I don't know what it's about. This is a thing that I do because I want to be on the edge of my seat and engaged. And All of Us Strangers is starring Andrew Scott, Paul Meskel, Claire Foy, and Jamie Bell. And just the cast list in itself was the thing that got me to go. And it was so profound. I still have questions. I wish the filmmaker was there, but we did get a, it was not advertised as a Q&A screening because it was at a regular theater. Um, and Jamie Bell showed up and he started talking about his experience. And it's so, mm. just reading the log line of it, it's very unusual where a 40-year-old gay man goes back to his childhood home and he sees his dead parents and as if they're living there still. Like nothing has changed. They're still living in the 80s. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's so, I, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to give it away, but it is so beautifully done and like such an artistic piece that is so profound in, in like the message that it tells you. Yeah, that was a really good one for me. I loved on a different note, very different note, the color purple. Oh, yeah. So it's been a long time since I saw the original. And then I saw it on stage with my sister, I think maybe five or six years ago. With Cynthia? No, it was the touring cast out here. But um, it was... I, you know, you, you know, you have a feeling it'll be depressing because you know what you're going to watch. And it was beautiful. I can't, I mean, the cinematography was stunning. Every performance, like the music was beautiful. It, they, it did like, a, it was a reimagination of the story. It was an updated version. So it wasn't exactly what I had remembered from the original or even the stage. And uh, I highly recommend everybody go see it. It's beautiful. And um, Halle Bailey, mm -hmm. she is – so I hadn't seen Little Mermaid before, but I'd seen her in Grownish, and she was brand new. Her and her sister were brand new. It was her, their first credits being on Grownish. And I saw her in this movie. She's not in it for a very long time because she plays the younger version of the sister, and she is so effervescent she is just she lights up the screen and that literally made made me go want to watch little mermaid she was great in it didn't love it. <laughs> <laughs> it was too weird yeah like the like the effects and cgi and stuff but um she's phenomenal yeah. and i am very excited about her oh that's awesome what about you well so i've not watched as many as you have we're still working on it but I will tell you, I loved Oppenheimer, mainly, even though, I, like, I'm not a huge Christopher, I'm not, like, a nerd about Christopher Nolan, and part of it bothers me that he uses the same casting director every time, but that's me. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's fine. You do you, Christopher. Um, but I love Killian Murphy, and there, I think his dedication to that performance, you can see it. It was quite funny, because I remember when I saw it, because I saw it in theaters over the summer, and everyone was like, oh, it's too long. It's over three hours, or it was just under three hours of summer on there. And I was, like, engrossed the whole time. And I just believed him. I think Killian is that perfect mixture of like we know him but we don't know him where I think like the you know Robert Downey Jr's the Matt Damon's you know even Bradley Cooper and Maestro like it's just like you watch them and you're just like that's them you kind of they've gotten to a level now where you forget that they're their characters rather than the people who they are and so I just I loved Killian's performance I don't know if it would be my favorite movie I'll say that 
But he, I think, should win every award because I just, one, I'm a big believer that he's due. He's done such good work over his career and I just adore him. And I think he's probably one of the most underrated, talented actors out there. I think he should be a movie star, but for some reason, you know, this is his first big role. But um, I love that movie. I think it's intentional. Yeah. I think it's because he's so specific and I think he's really intentional with the choices he makes creatively. I think mm-hmm. his career is exactly what he's wanted it to be. And you know what? I'm going to tell you a little secret. I would kill to see him work on set because I think he has a process. I would just die. I think because he's so committed to his role. Like I've heard stories about Peaky Blinders and anyone who hasn't watched Peaky Blinders must because it is the most phenomenal show out there. And I will stand by that. It's one of my favorite shows all time outside of Succession. And his commitment to that role, and then you see him in interviews or however in other roles, it's so vastly different that the commitment to be that character for so much. I heard a rumor, and this is a rumor, but I've heard this rumor from multiple you know, online, online sources, the most reliable. But I heard that he would just, he, he gets so in his head about his character that he kind of ignores everything else. And so he's so there. And so on Peaky Blinders, I heard he'd be like smoking a cigarette off on his own. And then they would say, like, you have one minute and you'd walk into frame, not speak to anybody and then just jump right in. And I'm just like, that's freaking amazing. Like, I just, I would kill to see somebody be that so turned on because in his, in his interviews, he seems like very low key, almost shy, introverted. And then in all of his performance, he just brings out this massive personality of whoever he's portraying. And I just find it fascinating. Like, I could just watch him all day. Yeah, they were even saying, because he had a learn. German and I think another language for Oppenheimer and I was reading a piece that Robert Downey Jr. had invited the whole cast to go do something like because it was one of their days off and he just he wouldn't leave his room because he had to be word perfect for the foreign languages it's like it's I mean yeah yeah definitely level of commitment is insane yeah and I think it's also and not to like knock Robert Downey Jr. or Matt Damon or anything like that but like I don't think you see that of that level of care like how many lead actors do you know who's gonna like forego having dinner with all these movie stars or whatever to make sure that the part is perfect you know I think sometimes at that level you can kind of just fall into this ease of oh I'm just I'm that good which they are but like I'll just show up and you know I know my lines or you know there is some dedication there but yeah not nearly that level which is always so I hope he wins all the awards I'm sending all my good vibes for him to win just because I love him dearly as an actor just underdog kind of guy I did just watch Saltburn which I thought was pretty freaking phenomenal. I watched it last night right before I went to bed because I was like, I need to have something fresh to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It was, okay, I have questions. Questions, hit me. Okay, maybe not questions, but more like statements. Yes, I thought it was phenomenal. I thought the, like, Barry is amazing and Rosamund Pike like Mm -hmm. really phenomenal performances it felt a a little too reminiscent of Promising Young Woman Uh, of sort of how it unfolds yeah I I agree to an extent I think it's I, I think the performances are better in this film than Promising Young Woman personally you know we've had this conversation and I'll say it 
out loud. But I struggle with Jacob Elordi. Like I really do. He's really hit or miss for me. Yeah. And I can go into the fact that, and I will say it because I've said it on Instagram, I hated Priscilla. I thought it was horrible acting. I think the only reason that movie got made and is getting contention is because of Sofia Coppola. But he, Jacob succeeds in life when he plays characters who are so clearly him. Like he is that character. He is, I mean, he probably adds a little douchiness to whatever because I've met him. He's very lovely. He's a nice guy. But he does have this like just a very white man entitled privileged background vibe to him. And when he plays that he does so well, which is why he did so well in Euphoria and the kissing booth and those things. It wasn't that far of a stretch for him. When he played Elvis and Priscilla, it was just painful. I just could not even I, I just it was one of those things I went with a really good friend of mine who's an actress and I was like, oh, God, she's gonna love this. She's going to love this and I'm going to have to lie at the end of it. (laughs) I have to put on my acting skills, which are not so good as we all know. And we were walking out of the theater and I was like, I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to make her say something first. And finally she looks at me. She was like, that was really bad. I was like, oh, thank God. (laughs) Thank God. I'm not the only one who thought it. I was like, here, I thought we were going to have to like pretend that I like this, but just thought it was horrible. But he was good in Saltburn, right? But he was good in Saltburn. Because it felt like an extension of himself a little bit. (laughs) Yes, because that's it. Yes, because he plays that. It's like that one niche role that he does so well that it played right into him and Barry's so good we had to I'm just gonna talk about this because it's our first episode we can be a little little uh, risque here so apparently I had a whole conversation at dinner tonight about how Barry Keegan decided to fully be nude himself and so we were talking about how he is his penis is his own oh this movie <laughs> There was no double. No, and he said it in multiple interviews, I guess. Like, there's been multiple times he's like, nope. And he was claiming that they've done it like, they had to shoot it like 40 times or something, or there were 40 minutes worth that he had to do this. And I was like, I really don't buy that. But I just found that, I don't even know where I was going that because just because I was talking about it today. (laughs) Having a whole conversation about nudity in film and if it was real or not. But yeah, I just, I love the film overall. I think it was a really good kind of freshness that we don't see in a lot of the other ones. Like I said, I haven't seen all of A Stranger, so. Yeah, I would say without hoping to give anything away, but if we do give something away about this movie, just like fast forward 10 seconds. (laughs) My question is, all the stuff that he does, why? Yeah. In Promising Young Woman, we know why she did it. That's a great question. (laughs) Also, that scene, the the dirt scene. Oh my gosh, yes. My goodness. (laughs) (laughs) When you watch it all, you will know what I'm talking about. But also, there was a lot of sort of like gratuitous simulations happening in in the garden and stuff. Oh, yeah. I'm like, how do I say this without spoiling anything for anybody? But that was a little jarring for me, the first sort of roundabout for him. But worth a watch for sure. Not for children by any means. No, no. And you know what's really fascinating? I actually saw – wait, who was I talking to? I met somebody here at a event the other night who was saying it's the – like you don't get to see – I think they're from Liverpool. Now I can't remember. But whatever outside London community they're from – 
It's like usually when anytime anything is... They're definitely not from Liverpool because she was like, where's Liverpool again? Where is it on the map? Oh, yeah. They're somewhere posh. Yes. Cambridge maybe or something. They were like, you never see anything globally that's done like this that's outside of London. It's usually always London. And so they were like, it was cool to see a different society version because like, again, in the States, we have so many. We have the South. We have Midwestern. We have Northeastern. We have California. We have all these different like cultural shifts within our country. And so they were really excited that, and they said, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not Brit, but they said that this was a very accurate portrayal of like the Cambridge, Oxford, now I'm forgetting where it is, but that area, that really like kind of posh area that it was pretty true to form. That's good. That movie was a lot. Um, Did you see American Fiction? No. American Fiction with Jeffrey Wright. It was such a smart script. And I think the way they used storytelling techniques Mm -hmm. was so well done. I feel like it's those things that we get a lot of movies right now that want to hit you over the head with a message and make you feel like you're being force fed a message. And I think this gives you a message, but because it's a satire, Mm -hmm. it does it in such an easy way that it's so entertaining that you don't feel like you're being hit over the head with it 20 million times. But I will say it's going to be interesting how it's received by Mm -hmm. the Globes and the Oscars and all of those things because it basically calls out sort of the monetization of Black culture or when it's convenient Mm. for those things. So it was like, you know, when some of those things, when things become performative versus organic and natural for what it is, it's very interesting. I, I recommend watching it. It's it's very cool. I will. I will. The other one, I will say, we kind of mentioned it. Maestro. Did you see that? Not yet. Here's the thing. You have to like really suffer through about half an hour. That's horrible. <laughs> the first half hour is not good. <laughs> but this is the thing. And the only reason I say this is because I was in a movie theater and you can't leave because that's rude. And so I... But this is on Netflix, so most people can turn this off. I know. <laughs> I know. Because everyone I've talked to is like, oh, I gave up on it. And I was like, no, make it through. Because if you make it through like the first half hour, dare I say 45 minutes, it's like the end is worth it. And here's the thing. Do, do I think it should win any awards? No. But I think the end... I have, I'm not a music person. I can't sing. I can't play any musician or musical instruments. So like my musical ability is so small that at the end, I almost was crying because the music was making me feel it. And I was like, this is insane. It was like my body had left itself and was like, the music will make you feel something, Jen. (laughs) And I was almost in tears. And I just, I only said to say the Leonard, remember his last name? His music is so beautiful that like it's worth making it to when you actually get to hear it. And I mean, I think, like I said, it's probably going to be in contention because it's Bradley Cooper, Steven Spielberg, Martin Scorsese, but I don't think it'll actually win. But that last scene all in and of itself was phenomenal. Like I just, I was almost in tears. I thought the music was so phenomenal. All right. I'll give it a go. <laughs> you could just kind of skip through. They kind of, you know, it's just kind of a boring meeting of two people. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll we'll recap once I've watched it. And you know, want to hear something hilarious? What? I didn't realize until this movie because the first, like, when it's like older, when they're doing shooting the older stuff, they do it in black and white. And Henry Cavill plays his like gay lover, and or not Henry. Mm, 
see, this is my problem, Matt Bomber. And so for the first 30 minutes, I thought it was Henry Cavill. And I was looking at my friend, and I was like, how did they get Henry Cavill? She's like, that's Matt Bomber. Have you ever noticed they look identical? I mean, maybe because if they have such like rigid, structured faces, like it's very statuesque, but that would have been my first guess. Yeah. I mean, it's so... I don't know if it was, and also I'm a huge Tudors fan. So like when Henry Cavill first got his start, that, I don't know, the two in my, my brain was just melded. And I just, in my head, I just kept thinking, how did they get Henry Cavill to do this? Like, that's <laughs> insane. And then my friend's like, that's Matt Bomber. I was oh like, goodness. thanks. Thanks for schooling the casting director. <laughs> <laughs> See, it happens to the best of us. It is totally fine. Oh my goodness. Oh, I also want to say past lives. Did you see past lives? Yes, so good. I thought it was beautiful. Such mm-hmm. great performances. I mean, I'm very excited to see it get recognized. I think it's so beautiful. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it'll get much, honestly. I think it's going to kind of go... It's going to get buried. Yeah. It doesn't seem to be getting the hype. Like, Wonka, I think, is kind of meh. Like, it's fine. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. Before we go down that road, if you're familiar with the Razzies, right? Yes. So if you had to give a movie a Razzie, which movie would it be? <laughs> Of like the award contenders? Yeah. I would have said Wonka. <laughs> I thought you would have said Priscilla. Oh, well, yeah. I, that doesn't even deserve to be in contention in my opinion. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. I, I feel the same. I watched. Sorry, Sofia Coppola. I would still love to work with you one day. <laughs> this one was just not the winner for Jen. I have not seen it yet, so no clue. But I would say Wonka for me as well. I thought it was basically after watching it. They, and they didn't market it as a musical. No, Nobody knows that it's a musical. <laughs> No. To be fair, I don't think they really marketed it at all. I think they were literally going off of Timothy Chalamet yeah. being like, I'm here. I'm Wonka. I felt like Timothy Chalamet didn't watch the original to see Gene Wilder do it. He didn't watch Johnny Depp's interpretation of it. And he just was like, I'm Timothy Chalamet. I'm going to sing here. And that was it. <laughs> it was so, it's like when you take on such a giant like that, that is so nostalgic for so many generations, you got to commit to something. This just didn't feel like he committed to any character. Yeah. And I have to admit, I don't think a lot of them did. Like, I just feel like the whole movie, like, I thought Hugh Grant was a bit. Mm. That was a missed opportunity. Yeah, totally agree. And I just, again, yeah, if you're going to remake something, because I'm so sick of remakes, I'm just like outside of Wonka, I'm just so sick. Please stop, Hollywood. Please stop making remaking shit. Bad chance. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Our little podcast. Please, please stop. But no, I just, yeah, because I loved the Gene Wilder one. And I thought Johnny Depp, even when he did it, when it first came out, I was a little iffy on it, but I was like, okay, I can get on board because it was so different. But this one, I just was like, this is a travesty. Please take this away. (laughs) Yeah. I think also it was such a weird choice in the sense of they, obviously they started his story in the Johnny Depp version, like they showed his dad was a dentist. He wasn't allowed to have candy. And that was like the whole initiation of him wanting to have candy. And they changed it, everything about it. And this new version. So it's interesting. Yeah, not a fan. And you know, it's so, I'm so curious to see how Barbie does because I just, I struggle with it because I love Greta Gerwig. She is like an icon to me. I would kill, I would give my right arm to work with her. And I loved Little Women. I loved her remake of that. I'm really struggling right now because it was a good movie. I get the hype, but also you see this, it was a very strong feminist 
push on the agenda there. But all we're seeing is Ryan Gosling get a lot of press off of this. Him getting a Grammy nom for like, I'm just Ken, is kind of becoming comical that you have this massive movie with all these women and the biggest bump you're getting off of it is the male lead. So yeah, I will say just to sort of like spotlight the really amazing parts of it, I like the the art direction, production design, like all of those things, like the mm. world building in it, it was, I think, really unique and phenomenal and yeah, very cool. And so I think that was really great. I think this is where I struggle, where I start to watch movies where it's literally hitting you over the head with the message. So it's not tell me, make me feel it, show me, you know? And so I think that's the hard thing that I have with movies like Barbie Mm-hmm. And whatever else is out there that is has the big message. Because again, love a message. Just make me feel like I'm interpreting it versus you're smacking me in the face with it. Yeah. I remember when it first came out because when like Barbenheimer happened, I didn't see either actually. It took me like three months to see Oppenheimer. And I was not a part of the Barbie craze. So I remember three of my friends from LA were like, Jen, it's going to be tough to like take, you know, you like don't do them back to back kind of thing. And I was like, okay. And then one of them was like, it's almost like the same kind of thing. They're just hitting you over the head. It's almost too unrealistic. Because again, we're watching a movie about Barbie. So I get that it's unrealistic, but (laughs) you're trying to like push this message. And it's like, instead of just making like, oh, that makes so much sense. It's like, let me whack you over the head a million times so that you get that this is the thing. And so I will say, I think they, with with the fact that it was a toy, Mm -hmm. I think they did an interesting job of trying to make that world come to life and make sense in some, some way. And so there was a lot of good about it. I don't know that I'm on board of like the Barbie craze that was but it was fun and it was entertaining to watch yeah agreed and I think it's honestly I feel like it's gonna win like best screenplay or something like that and everything art related I think yeah because the sets were just phenomenal they should win everything honestly and to be fair I think Barbenheimer was probably one of the best marketing things we've seen in a long freaking time (laughs) yeah I know that there was a little bit of backlash about that too Wait, what? I didn't know about this. It was a little, oh yeah, it was a bit insensitive to like the actual people, you know, never mind. <laughs> oh, I was like, I didn't, and this did not make it across the pond. I did not hear this. Oh yeah, it was a little bit of a thing when they were, they had like her staring at the explosion from afar. Oh. My favorite one was the two houses on the PCH where the one, because it's like a legitimate house where you have a black house and then you have a purple and pink house on the PCH, right? Like as you're getting on the one from the 10. And it's all, I've driven past it so many times in my life. And I'm like, this is the perfect depiction of Barbenheimer. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like there's so many things I haven't seen still. It's so hard to catch up with everything. Do you have the FYC app? Yeah. That's literally all I do now is like, just go see what's on streaming versus what's on how did you feel about the Iron Claw? I saw it twice. Whoa. No, no, no. Let me explain. I went to a screening room. I sat in there for an hour and the sound was so bad that you could barely hear the dialogue, but all of like the peripheral noise was so loud. And so many people went out and to like try to get them to fix it. And when I, I finally left about an hour into it and it, cause it's a two and a half hour movie. And so I went out there and shoot, the lady was on the phone trying to get the tech people to fix the issue. Cause I guess the screening room was working fine the day before. Then I got the A24 link to watch it at home and so I watched it the other day and it's just I mean the story is really interesting of like the have you did you watch it yes 
Yeah. The fact that, the, like, the Von Eric brothers, they're basically the only one that's left. Kevin, I think, is his name. And it's, it's, I'd never heard of them. I was never into wrestling, believe it or not. And, uh, and so I'd never heard. I was not it as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'd never heard of him before, but it's like, it's such a tragic story of just how that family just broke apart every opportunity, I guess. But I thought it was a good, great performances from Zac Efron and from Holt McCallney. But I think, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what my overall, t- I think it was a little bit slow for me, but I thought it was interesting. I'm kind of surprised it's in award contention. I think it's being buried. Mm, really? I think they're hoping for something, but I feel like, because I think this was Zac Efron's attempt at getting Oscar contention. Yeah. And I think he did a really great job. I think it was definitely more of a layered performance than we've seen him do before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, every time I hear, I hear like, this is the greatest show. <laughs> but he looks so different. It's so wild to me. I know. Like the opening sequence when he gets out of bed and just like, even like, obviously he had surgery on his face. I don't really know what the if it's the real story or not, but he says he had some sort of accident and had to do reconstructive surgery, but he looks so different than what we are, what we grew up with. And then he transformed his body. Yeah. It's insane. And then even to see that and then to see even how he's promoting himself because he's so slimmed down now, it's just like... Oh, I haven't even seen him lately. I don't even know what that... I have to look him up. Yeah. I saw him... This is going to be hilarious. I think I saw him on Dumois. <laughs> the Instagram. And I was just like, holy shit. He's like slim and trim these days. So I was like, to promote this film, I was like, that's so weird. Like the contrast between the two. But I mean, talk about commitment. That's like when the, when these guys go through such a transformation to be able to believably take on these characters is, is really next level. If you don't know what he looked like in that movie, go look it up because mm-hmm. it's insane. The funny thing too is I feel like a lot of these shot in Australia during COVID. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this one did. Yeah. I feel like this one did and like multiple others. And I'm like, oh, these are all our COVID and or the UK. Because I know Wonka and Barbie both shot here. Um, Saltburn shot here. Yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot a lot to see still. I really, there's a huge list. I always wait. Um, I try to do what I can to see as many as I can. And then I wait for whatever is like best picture contention when they announce the Oscar nominees or even Gold Globes. Did they, they already announced the Globes, didn't they? They did. Yeah. So when they do the Oscar ones, uh, I'll make sure I tick all those boxes of what's been nominated to at least be able to be educated. Yes, we like to be educated. Okay, so season two of Tipsy Casting. I feel like we've talked about all our award stuff. Just for this season, we're excited to just meet more people and and get some different perspectives. And we have something very cool that we're going to announce in our third episode. And so we are very excited about this new development Mm -hmm. that you can't know anything about yet. <laughs> and I think, you know, it's fun is like season one was such us learning like how to do this and all these things and like what we kind of wanted to program and how to lay things out that I think this season will be fun to kind of really dive in deeper with people in certain areas we have some really cool guests coming up and so it's that third glass of champagne that really helped us out <laughs> I know but <laughs> killing it <laughs> I do almost think that we should force all of our guests, as long as they're not sober of some fashion, to take a shot of something before you start. It helps a lot. <laughs> well, we'll do our best. <laughs> <laughs> oh, season two. It's going to be great. 
<laughs> we're going to kill 2024, not only on the podcast, but also professionally, personally. We're going to do well. It's going to be better than last year. We're not going to have any more strikes. I'm putting it out there into the universe. It's not going to happen. Things are going to get better. All Us and all our friends are going to have multitudes of work. Yes, and all, all of our listeners, this will be a great year to build momentum and to get it all together, whatever that means for you. <laughs> all right. Well, cheers to 2024 because that is going to be our year. Yes. Cheers. Happy New Year. Cheers. Happy New Year. 